All right, welcome this morning to Spruce Grove Community Church. How's everybody doing? I can't tell you how excited I am this morning. I feel, you know, it says that the true light is already shining. John, John wrote that, John the Revelator. He said, the true light is already shining and the darkness is passing away. And I feel like some, you know, some, I know that daily, weekly, there are, there's a shift happening, but I feel like we've entered into a kingdom clarity this week, uh, a quantum leap above what we've ever experienced before. And I am so excited about experiencing the kingdom of God. Amen? Uh, so this morning, as we're beginning to worship, we're saying to God, God, show us the world in which you live. Show us what you th- how you think. Show us what the culture of the kingdom of God is really like. And so this morning as we begin to worship him, anticipate. Anticipate that those veils will just diminish and diminish and diminish. We want to experience your presence. We want to... We want to know how you feel, what you think. Oh, God, in Jesus' name, just continue to, just continue to lift up your voice. You know, there's a, a prophetic word just released the other day about an, an angel of reformation being released into the earth. And there's a something about that that rings true to me. I was reading in Revelations, and there's all of these colossal worldwide sort of cosmic events, and behind each of them there were spiritual entities. Like these aren't just circumstantial outcomes. There's actually cause and effect. And the cause and effect was always something in the Spirit. There was always a messenger from heaven. And there's one place it says, all of a sudden a mighty angel came up and, and took something and threw it into the ocean. And I, I suddenly just get the sense that there's the movement of mighty angels into the realm of the earth. And so we call forth, even with our faith today, as we're saying, all things are possible. We say, Lord God, let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. And even as you have determined to release, Lord, angelic messengers for such a time as this. For such a time as this. For such a time as this. Lord, let your government begin to be revealed in the earth. Lord, release angelic movement in the heavenlies. Release the armies of heaven. May there be mighty angels released from the presence of the Lord. We declare today we are not alone. We are not alone, but your kingdom is coming. Yeah. You know, we are, we are growing in our understanding of the kingdom of God. And this week, I personally got an amazing glimpse of the kingdom of God at work. Now, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be sharing about the kingdom this morning. And as we were worshiping, I got, I got this image. I don't know if you remember the vision that Mark DuPont had shared he has had two major words. The first one, of course, precipitated the outpouring in Toronto where he had seen the throne room of God and he had seen, and I can't remember how God did it, but the globe hanging in the air before Jesus who was seated on the throne and this tsunami of rivers of water falling on the earth onto Toronto. And he recently, while we were in Israel, saw a similar thing but fire uh, hanging over cities all around the globe. And in the, in the sense that, and this is so exciting to me, the sense that no matter what toil we encounter here, and I mean, you, if we went around the room and started talking about the circumstances that you're dealing with, that you're struggling through, that you're, you know, I, I want you to know that heaven is not oriented around any of those problems. 
be they small or great or whatever they are, that heaven is, is completely free because heaven understands this. Heaven understands that there's more than enough power in God to deal with whatever is necessary on earth. I mean, think about that for a second. We, we get these little testimonies here and there. This is a great testimony from Lauren. But there are, there are so many challenges in life, and sometimes we get to this point where like, we're just so hopeless in the sense that we don't know how this can be resolved. And yet, I'm, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, there is resolution in heaven. There is resolution. There are answers. And so, uh, part of what we're doing when we're praying, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, is we're expressing a faith that not only will that happen, but that is the solution for the earth. That's, that's the solution for our lives. So, if you think of all the things you might possibly ask God for, you know, if you actually can condense that into one heart cry that says, like, like the Spirit that says, you know, it says the Spirit of the Bride say, come. And we say, your kingdom come on earth. That is it. That is the solution to absolutely everything. And furthermore, and this is really what I want to talk about, the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life is to cause more traction in your life with the kingdom of heaven and less traction with the kingdom of darkness. And so what God is doing is he's doing this divine separation inside of us. You know, it's Hebrews 4.12, the sword, uh, the word of God is coming down and separating between soul and spirit and bone and marrow. And he is dividing. And how is he dividing? He's revealing the intent of the heart because our attraction or the traction that we give, either the kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness, comes down to the hidden things of the heart. And so... So God is doing this thing in us that is just so amazing. And what I, what I saw this week is, is the power of the kingdom. If we could just align, just align. And uh, so let me, let me share a couple of things. We were in a prayer meeting, and somebody began to repent. It was a simple repentance. It was a, a husband and wife kind of issue, and they were just saying kind of like, uh, you know, I, okay, uh, so the, it was, it was this, you know, typical marital tension, and the, the person began to repent for, uh, you know, holding this, this petty thing in, in their marriage. And unbeknownst to them, so, uh, I began to talk about something, uh, right after that, because that was, it was parallel with something that God was doing on my, in my life on a different scale. And then somebody else came in this meeting late and without seamlessly entered in and began to repent for almost an identical thing, not having heard my, my little discourse on that thing that God was doing in my heart or the repentance of this other person. And it suddenly began to open up into this realm of what God was doing. And I'm going I'm to try and touch on this, but the, 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 the difficulty of it for me is... It touches on pillars of the kingdom of God that are so massive, so essential, yet so so basic to Christianity. And uh, we, we lose sight of them because we think as Christians, well, because we know that verse or we know that passage of Scripture or we know that theme, that's the same as actually doing it. And when you actually, when the, when the Word of God and the Holy Spirit begin to breathe upon a certain truth in our life, you suddenly start to realize, oh my goodness, uh, I have given all the assent I can to that, and still, in my heart, I am not living it. Which is why we're always walking in repentance, right? There's always a light being shone. And never be embarrassed about that, never be ashamed, and never feel like, like you're being, uh, you know, uh, rejected by God because he's doing that. Because this, what he's doing is saying, listen, there's traction for the kingdom of darkness in your life. And all that is like Velcro. You know, you got one side of the equation in your heart and the enemy is the other side. And when it, it sticks, it sticks. And you can rebuke demons and you can do all kinds of things. But unless you have a heart change where the word of God comes in and deals with that section where that traction is, that traction will be there. 
And so there's no pretending. Like, you know, we can't just pretend that traction's not there. It either, either is or it isn't there. And that is a principle of what I, what I call, uh, what did I call it? I, I wrote it down. It's uh, essential nature. Essential nature. The kingdom of God is built around the principle of essential nature. And let me, let me put it this way. Uh, actually, I preached on it a few weeks ago. When John was saying, God is like this, and if you act like this, then you don't know God. Because he's saying the essential nature of the kingdom is if you are the kingdom and you are equal or aligned with God, these things will materialize in your life. If the opposite is materializing in your life, you can't dismiss that by saying, well, I was in a bad mood or, you know, it's because I didn't get my paycheck that way and I was mad. And you can do that, but you're just lying to yourself because essential nature says God is like this. And the darkness is like this. So what God is doing in our lives is he's coming to say, my kingdom is like this. Not just so that we'll say, I agree, but so that the level of agreement comes right down and penetrates to the depths of our heart and removes those places where, in fact, the opposite is true. And what happens, unfortunately, it, it, you know, when God does this in our lives, theme by theme, we end up revisiting those same themes, and we think, well, I thought I dealt with that. And you think, well, did I not deal with it? No, it's, it's layers, right? So it's layer after layer. And, and so he is changing our in nature. He's imparting essential nature to us. And so I'm going to leave that principle. I'm going to come back to that principle, but I'm going uh, to leave it for now. There's so many scriptures that point to that. But here's what happened is, is I began to share this in my life because I... I, uh, I feel like I'm on this trajectory personally, and we all are, where I am trying to fulfill a destiny. And I feel like I'm still not fulfilling it. And years ago, I used to complain to God, saying, you know, hey, you said, you know, da-da, da-da, da-da. And, and you know, essentially, would God would come back to me, you know, and say, yeah, and it is so, as soon as you line up. And so early in my walk, I resolved the issue of who, who has the human error. <laughs> you know, when you're in a, a walk with a perfect God who's all-knowing and all-powerful and something's going wrong, I guarantee you it's on your side of the equation. And so years ago, I became comfortable with repentance. I became comfortable with acknowledging that I am the weakest link. Right? You know, the television show, Who is the Weakest Link? Well, we are the weak. This is, a, this is a covenant with us and God, except he has to do everything because we are the weakest link. And you should never grow weary of that equation. That is always how it's going to be. And so, you know, if you find yourself tired of repenting, then you're not really repenting. Uh, you're, you're, you, anyway, we don't want to get into that. That's, now I'm meddling. But... So the Lord was highlighting to me this thing, and there's two significant things happening in my life right now where I'm being challenged. And it reminds me of a testimony I had from a person a few years ago. There was a ministry thing going on that they had started, and after a while they had brought others on to work with them in this thing, and they were starting to move to other things, but lo and behold, one of the people that they had brought on was starting to take over the thing that they had started, and they were like un- really annoyed about it and saying, well, you know, w- we started that. You know, me and my husband, we started that thing, and, and now this other couple are trying to take it over. And I, gently as I could, said, yeah, but you kind of indicated to me you don't even want that, you know, and, and you actually are moving into another element of of ministry that was even more more visible and more you know broader. So I think, why do you want to hold on to this? Actually, and I realized as I was thinking about that that the test is this: in the kingdom of God, we move to lay levels of authority by relinquishing our rights on the previous ones. Now, this story has is not somebody who's here in the room. So if you're thinking, "Oh, he's talking about me," I'm not talking about you. But it may be eerily similar to something that's going on in your life right now because it's eerily similar to something that's going on in my life. 
Okay? I mean, I mean, God is doing the same things inside of us. But this is the thing. He's saying, listen, I've called you to have some authority in the kingdom of God, and I'm trying to move you to the next level of authority. But to, to do that, I have to break the traction of the kingdom of darkness. So you have some faith, but what's impeding you is the fear of losing this thing. And what I need to do is purify your faith. You know, I, I need you to believe that I'm the one that promotes you think, well, I, I believe that. I, I believe God promotes. Let me read a couple of scriptures here. There's, uh, there's two really powerful ones. And, and these, may, these, these, these should be you know, food to the work of God inside of you. One is John 3.27. And John answered. This is John the Baptist. Here's what the, I think the context is this, if I recall correctly, because I only pull up the scripture, that people were complaining that Jesus would be getting to gain traction. Okay, Jesus was starting to get some of the limelight for his ministry, and the supporters of Paul, I mean, the supporters of John the Baptist were coming, as any good supporter would, you know, demonically inspired. Uh, this guy is coming, the one you baptized on the other side of the Jordan, and he's, he's starting to outshine you, right? You know, that's, this thing that you used to do, they're doing it, and they're doing it better. They're trying to take away your ministry. They're trying to take away your name. They're trying to take away your place. And at that point in time, we have, we have an option. What rises up inside of me? Does fear arise? Does control arise? Do I have to, well, I'm going to set this straight. I, you know, I'm going to banish them. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do whatever that I can to get my little slimy fingers around, back around that thing, and I'm going to hold it tight because that's mine. That's my ministry. That's my calling. That's my destiny. That speaks of me. That should be in my wake telling me a trophy of, you know, telling me how great I am. Or it is like, oh, it's all right. I'm good because God's moving me to better things. Not that that isn't good, but I'm being moved. So I don't need that to stand in my wake testifying of me. Now, there's something about that that is eerily similar to Satan who's always trying to glorify himself. So, you know, he's always trying to get the accolades, always trying to get the, you know, the, the, you know, the credit for something. And so, so John the Baptist, right, I don't know who taught him this, maybe the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist says this powerful thing. I don't even need my glasses for this. The text is so big. A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. Well, everything? I can't. A a man. Everything a man receives. Everything. So what you're saying is God gave Trudeau. Anyway, this this, I would I would love to spend about an hour talking on this. But let me let me just give you a little quick answer. Uh, not everything that appears to be right is or, or is is right. Not everything that appears to be wrong is wrong. You know, I for years and years I read these books and I was caught up in this whole thing. We're trying to watch out. The Antichrist is coming. The mark of the beast is coming. And the world system is coming. And da 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 da. And you know, so basically, you had all these evangelical Christians trying to resist the system. Right? You know, well, we, if we just resist the technology, if we just resist this, if we just resist this. And yet I was reading yesterday in Revelations, it says that the beasts and, and, uh, and the, the false prophet that rise up, it says God has put it in their mind to do a certain thing. So <laughs> what are we doing? God, we're here fighting the thing you've determined to happen for you. I, I, this is, this is the question. Do we really believe? Do we really believe? Oh, you know, it's just the enemy that I don't have more money. And years ago, God began to deal with me. Mark, your problem is not money. Your problem is not, well, if I had the right connections in ministry, then I would be able to, see, if that guy knew me, and he could promote me, and he could do this for me, then I would be able to fulfill my destiny. And seeing as God is already for this, and I'm for this, all we need is that visible, powerful third party to make it happen. So <laughs> I, I did so many things, right, to try to make that happen. You know, and I remember, you know, trying to, you know, get buddy up to influential ministers in the kingdom of God. I thought, man, these guys can give me a leg up, you know. And, and, and God's like, you know, I, I know people. 
<laughs> like, I, 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 can, I have some pull. You, you believe? You say you believe, Mark? Do you really believe? Apparently not. And again, did I feel condemned? It's not a matter of condemnation. It's a matter of God. Perfect my faith. Perfect me in my heart so that my confidence, which I say is in you, is actually in you. Because every time the Word of God comes to my life, He says, you say you're aligned with the kingdom. You say you think this and believe this. But in fact, the actions of your life and the attitudes of your heart and the fears and the insecurities and the paranoias that come up here and here and here are evidence that there's this other traction in your life. So you have a divided heart. Really? I remember early in my walk, God spoke to me from this psalm, 75, verse 6 and 7. For exaltation comes neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south, but God is the judge. He puts one down and exalts another. So, I've been trying to live this out in my life, and, you know, I've, I've had some successes, but there's always another level. So, recently, um, there's this two things, and I'm not going to be too explicit on them because they're, they're, they're actually contemporary and they're ongoing. One of them, I had spoken at, at this event, and I had spoken on this theme, and I had started writing a book, and I had this title for a book that I thought was going to be really, really cool. And in confidence, I had shared it with this man who had invited me to this conference to speak and shared with, of course, I taught on some of these. I shared some of the key principles. And just this week, uh, I see that he has released a book by the same name. Uh, and, I, and I saw that, and it's got a foreword by this well-known guy that, you know, I'm thinking, that's my book. That's my name. I wonder how much of my revelation is in there. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about that. And the Lord says, <clears throat> your revelation? And, and so I've, I have these two things before me. I have this challenge, this thing that maybe somebody stole from me, that somebody took from me. And if it is the only thing that, I mean, if this is the thing that I consider, this was going to make me. This was going to be define my future, my destiny. This was the thing. And God is saying, like, I've got a hundred more books better than that. And what I'm, what I'm giving you the opportunity for is to leave one plane and to go into another. But you have to die to something. What keeps you from going to that next plane of releasing the kingdom of God is not circumstantial opportunity. It's not the right people in your life. It's not the right money. It is me. He said, but I'm telling you, Mark, that realm belongs to a kind of faith that I need to perfect in you. And that faith is being tested right now because, you know, is, is this, is this going to eat up your soul? Are you going to be spending your time resenting that guy for the rest of your life? Are you going to become bitter and go run around the church? You know, the church is unfair. Organized religion is unfair. Just full of thieves and everything. And da, 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 da. It's been done. It's been done again and again. Well, that church did that to me, and that guy, that elder, and that Sunday school teacher, and that pastor, and that associate, and that elder, and that. And I'll never darken the door of that church again. Or you could die. You could realize that that impulse to get your sneaky little fingers gripped around that and have this wake of you know. Look what I did behind you. It, you could abandon that quest. What if you abandoned that quest? Maybe, maybe abandoning that quest is equal to embracing mine. Because that's your kingdom. And, I, of course, as, as I were thinking about this and praying about this, and this is unfolding and some other repentance is going on, and I'm thinking about this, and I'm, I'm thinking all of the scriptures, all of the things that Jesus is saying about, about the impulse of those who are caught in that trap. And I thought right away, of course, of the Pharisees. And Jesus is, is uh, of course, dealing with them. And uh, he, Actually, here, I'll, I'll read it. 
Read, let, me, let me read this. Matthew 6, verse 2 to 16. It's, uh, there's a litany of, of things here. Get ready to get slammed. Okay. Um, I mean, this is, wow. I'll start reading in verse 1. Take heed you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Oh, good. We got it up there. I th- think about that. If this is the motive for you doing that thing, if you are like, hey, guys, did you notice this thing I did? No, oh, I, I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. Except, except God has these report card moments for us when suddenly we are not getting our just due. And something comes up. Don't you know what I've done? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know how much I've given here? Don't you know how much I've invested? Those people owe me. Uh, No reward in heaven. Reward, human acknowledgement, heavenly acknowledgement. Human acknowledgement, heavenly acknowledgement. He's saying, listen, if your heart is to pursue the acknowledgement of men, you forego the acknowledgement of heaven. Is there a way I can do this where I get both? <laughs> right? You know, I just pretend like I don't care about men's endorsements. And, you know, oh, it's all for you, Lord. And, the, and you know, of course, God, God is no fool. He sees right through things. He knows what is. He, he, he knows our hearts. He knows the, you know, yeah, there was that thing you did. Oh, yeah, I, I didn't mean to mention that. Ah, it's, it's so terrible, and yet it's so human. It's so me. It's so me. I'm not saying this for you. I'm saying this because... As, as, as this is coming more deeper into my life, there's something saying, God, I, I want to be no strings attached. I don't want to have that. I don't want this defensive response. Don't you know who I am? Which is the testimony that I was building up, a, you know, a rapport and a reputation, and I wanted everybody to honor it. How dare you not see me? It's hard to do, isn't it? Well, by now I should be an elder. By now I should be a pastor. By now I should be this and that. Really? I've run into this over and over and over. And, and I, I've, what, I, what I realized is that we're going along and we're doing things. And again, I've been built guilty of this. But as, a, as the leader here, I get to see more often others doing that similar thing. And what happens is is we will do the right thing, right? You know, but we expect a return. We expect a return. What is it that you are expecting? Well, I shoveled the walk the other day at the church and, you know, Pastor Mark walked by and he saw me and he, he never came and helped me shovel. He never told me good job. He never announced it from the pulpit. You know, we, we steer away from the obvious ones. Well, you know, Jesus was really clear here about the money thing, right? He said, you know, be careful you don't give your money. But we still do it in all these other ways. What is, what is that? It is the kingdom, the other kingdom, at work in our life. Now, let me read that. I got a little bit ahead of myself. Let me read the rest of this. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue, in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Now, God is not saying, you know, if, if anybody ever finds out anything, that's it. Your reward's gone. He's talking about motive of the heart. The secret desire that, you know, are they going to mention the gold club givers, right? You know, they should have, maybe at the AGM, they should have two areas of seating, you know, the ones who are tithers and the ones who aren't. At least I'll get, anyway. It's a heart issue. He says, 
Do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Surely I say to you, they have their reward. That's scary. But when you do charitable deeds, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret. Your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Now, man, I could, there's so many things about this. But, it, and this is the confusion that sometimes comes to our hearts. Well, if I'm going to re- receive reward later openly, isn't that the same kind of selfishness? I mean, if I'm doing it for reward, isn't purity not doing it for reward at all? No. Because one is temporal, the other is eternal. Let me share this. The kingdom of God connects to an eternal realm. And anything that requires you to connect to that eternal realm automatically is against the flesh. It has, it's kind of like patience, right? It's kind of like the delayed gratification that you have to do in the natural. You know, as you mature naturally, you're able to do, you're able to invest in things where the reward of that thing is further off. When you're kids, right, you know, if you do this now, I'll give you a jelly bean. And, you know, and then you start to, you start to spread out the, the, you know, the reward thing, and you try to bring them into greater and greater things. Well, what God is saying is, listen, there is a big gap between natural on earth and eternity. And only faith can bridge that gap. So what I'm doing in your hearts, I'm I'm sifting from you the need to have your reward in the natural. Because anything where there is expectation in the future, in eternal, that's pure because that's born of faith. You you hear what I'm saying? So it's not a matter of, well, I'm going to be a really good Christian. I won't expect anything, not even from God. Well, that is not the kingdom of God either. Uh, do you get that one? That's religious, proud, arrogance. You're better than God? Oh, God, that's a great system you got there. I got one even better. Kind of not so great, eh? Anyway, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But but when you do a charitable deed, okay, I read that. Uh, reward you openly. And when you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Well, we don't have that culture that, you know, we're not out there in the malls. And besides, you wouldn't get praise. <laughs> For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and the street corners that they may be seen by men. Surely I say to you, they have their reward. When you say, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray, and da-da-da, and it, and it goes on. I won't read the rest, but they're all basically in the, in the same vein. It is this. It said, God is saying, listen, I want to purify the intent of your heart. I want to get you to, place, to the place where you truly, absolutely believe that God is the one that promotes. And the evidence that you don't believe that God is the one who promotes, is when somebody else is promoted, you resent or you agitate against their promotion. Well, how does that work in terms of, you know, uh, our, our, our political system? Or does that mean we shouldn't vote? Does that mean we shouldn't be involved? Does that mean there's a whole set of rules? What this is really about is about freeing your heart you're, you individually, you personally, it's kind of like when, when he says, you know, when somebody slaps you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. It is not, it's not saying, you know, if somebody steals your car, you can't take him to court. It's saying, listen, personal offense, the resentment that comes from the heart against that person is only dealt with when you go against that need for revenge that, 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 that it comes out when you want to strike somebody back. It's not about our legal system. It's not about our social system. It's not about our politics. It's about how you can individually be free. Father, I pray right now. The enemy is trying to bring some confusion around this. And uh, I just, we just declare, just lean into the spirit right now. Father, we ask for a clear revelation, Father, about 
how faith intersects with uh, our social system around us, how the kingdom of God, Lord, how we walk it out personally, Lord, the, the measure, the metron of our authority and how we exercise this. God, I pray for clarity in the name of Jesus. So the question is this, is do I actually believe that God promotes? Do I really believe that God rewards? Do I really believe that the enemy can keep me back? Do I really believe that people who lie about me can hinder my destiny? Do I believe that people who don't like me can keep me from being in God who I I feel God wants me to be? And the obvious intellectual answer is, no, they can't. No, they can't then where is all the anxiety coming from? Where is all the fear coming from? I remember years ago, and I've told this story before, a friend of ours, her husband wasn't home at a certain time, but he was only 20 minutes late, and he was going to a place where there was a lot of traffic. And suddenly, she's in a panic. And she's like calling everybody and intercessors. And I said, well, it's only 20 minutes. And, you know, he's traffic. He said, well, no, no. And, uh, and so, anyway, next thing you know, she's in her car, and she's driving around in Surrey. It's a big place. <laughs> you know? And I think, what are, you, what are you hoping to accomplish? And afterwards, of course, he was just late. And uh, I said, well, that was a lot of fear. No, it wasn't fear. It was concern. Because as a Christian, I can't be fearful. I was just concerned. You know, it says in Ephesians, it says, we are his workmanship. What he's working on is you. What he's working on is me. You know, when we we were, well, Lord, fix the evil here and fix that evil. And God is saying, listen, if I could just fix the evil inside of you, the light that would begin to emanate would immediately result in the kingdom of God. Because the degrees of darkness and the veils that I take off of your life release you into releasing more of heaven on earth. It's a question of faith, not of, you know, line-by-line behavior that you're careful and watching over. It is what do you really believe in your heart. So I won't share the other scenario because it's very similar to the first one, but God is saying, listen, Mark, I want to promote you. I want to want to bring you another realm, and as long as that anxiety, that fear, that sense of loss, that sense of betrayal, that this person did this and that, as long as that preoccupies your attention, it shows that that has traction in you. It, it shows you that that's it has a piece in you. Do you remember Jesus when he said, "The prince of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. I got no Velcro." That he can snag. There's nothing, no touchdown points. And God, this is what God is saying. It's like, don't you know, my people, don't you know who I am? Don't you know the power? I mean, Lauren got this great glimpse financially. Like, well, I didn't even do anything. And all of a sudden, my, my income has increased by, you know, whatever, 20, 25%. And I didn't do anything. I didn't, wasn't even praying for that. Wow, God really can do things. I mean, we're so used to obedience and reward. And, and that's, that's fine. There's an element to that. But here, God is, God is his, his capacity to do things in your lives. And, I, and I, when I think about this all around the room, I think of all the ways we are locked into a limited sphere of thinking. A limited sphere of, well, this is my paycheck. This is how I get paid. This is how money comes to me. And, and what happens is your vision narrows to that's the only way that God, God can increase you. And so then you, you have this job, and you think, well, I need more money. They need to give me more money. It's like, no, they don't. God needs to work more in your life. So the question is, what is keeping the grandest, the resources, the, I mean, the, all these abilities that God has, what is keeping that from landing in your life? That's the only thing that really matters. All of a sudden, it takes everybody else out of the equation. Doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. 
And I know there are other testimonies around here because everybody has had a little epiphany where, you know, uh, another friend of mine was had this scenario where he was in this business and he was he was leaving. He thought, I'll show them, I'll quit. You know, they did quite fine without him. Right? It all goes to, don't they know who I am? What is this? And, and, and I'm going to hit on this here in a second. What is this? Debt that's owed to us. And this this thing hit me the other day, and I think I love to do a little skit, Curtis, about this. Where you got this guy, and he's he's coming close to retirement, and he says, "Well, that company, I I worked twenty five years for them, and they've done nothing for me. What? You worked twenty five years, and they never paid you? Oh, oh no, they paid me. Oh, 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 good, good. Yeah, so so they paid you. What else were they supposed to do for you?" I don't know, but 25 years? Was there, was there something in the contract that you didn't get? Yeah, but I, you don't understand. I gave 25 years. Yeah, but you were paid for all of those years. What is this debt? What is this owing, you owe me thing? Where's, where's this balance sheet being kept? And if it's being kept in that workplace environment, how many relationships are there balance sheets? Yeah, well, you know, I've had so many people over to my house for supper, and I've said hi to so many people, and they never said hi back. And I, and they owe me. They owe me. They owe me. And this is what the Lord hit us with the other morning when we were in intercession, is that, is that there's all of, the, all of the offense that we have, one against the other, is because there is a debt that you owe me that you don't know about, but I've been keeping track. And you have not paid up. And I've beat around the bush, and I know it's not Christian to actually come right up front and say, you owe me, or even kingdom. So I was secretly hoping you would just realize your debt and pay me. And you're not. I'm getting increasingly angry and resentful at this church, at these people because of the debt they owe me that they don't know about. Because I've been making all these payments. And you think, well, oh, that's really uncommon. I, I tell you, it's really, really common. And I run into it again and again, and often the anger's at me, and I'm like, I thought you were doing that because you said you wanted to do that. I thought you did that because you said, this is my ministry to do that, and God is, you know, God has given me an anointing and a call. I thought you did that because, you know, you loved me. You know, if I thought you were, if I thought I was accruing debt with you, I would have said, don't do that thing. I don't have anything to pay you with. I don't own the church. I can't give you money. I can't give you a ministry. I can't give you a promotion. What is this debt? And, and I saw the other morning these strings attached, these, these illicit covenants that we hold others to that they never signed for or agreed to. But because, well, in our culture, in our family, this is how we did it. And you must, in the kingdom of God, the kingdom, that's the demonic culture of the kingdom of darkness, by the way. The culture of God is, owe no man anything but love. And we were praying the other morning, and suddenly it became clear through a prophetic word that there was all this, these bills, lading bills, or whatever you would call them, you know, invoices, unpaid, out there. And people are waiting to be paid. And so we prophetically declared bankruptcy as a church. We said, we have nothing to pay you with. There's no blood in this stone. We cannot live under that debt. And, and we began to prophetically break some of these things. But in this, what the Spirit of the Lord began to show me is that the clarity of atmosphere in a church and amongst the people increases or decreases on the number of invisible debts that are being accrued and how many people are being owed. And so I'll just simplify this for this morning. I feel like we need to individually, and we've, I've done it. I've, I've repented because there's other parts of this, you know, where sometimes those that are wanting to be, uh, you know, lenders, they have people who agree to be debtors. 
not with necessarily a contract, but with but because there's something that I can get from you out of this, and and we and and so we repented for some of these things, and I believe God is touching the history of this church. I believe God is breaking this web of of witchcraft. You know, there was a movie, It's a Wonderful Life, and there was a rich, wealthy man, and uh, the uh, the the main actor James. James Jimmy Stewart, he he says um he said you're you're nothing more than a spindly little spider sitting here, web you know re, you know making this web and stuff and you're nothing more than a scrawny little spider, but he was, but I saw that whole idea of the web, and I thought, this is what the enemy does against churches, he gets us as individuals to create these these web attachments, and uh, you owe me this, and you owe me that, and you owe me that, expectations, resentment, uh, frustration, anger, disappointment. And that web creates a landing place for a spirit. And God is saying, what if you could clear the air? What if you could get rid of the cobwebs? What if you could break these things? Because all of those covenants, those are all covenants. They're illicit covenants. They're unrighteous covenants. They're covenants that are not necessary in the kingdom of God. But we learn to live by them. And it's how we get our just due. But God is saying, I've called you to something better. I've called you to a life of faith. I've called you to cordless living. And I want to to free you. I want to free you today. You know, one step further... Uh, I feel like the Lord is talking to us, and He's saying, "What do? You, what does that person owe you?" He said, "I'll pay it, but don't forget, you already owe me your whole life." As, that's what Paul did when he's writing to Philemon about a slave that escaped and was there serving Paul. And he said, "He said, whatever he owes you, I'll pay it, but may I remind you that you also owe me your whole life." He wrote that in the Bible. So there's a little bit of God tweaking there. And that's what the Holy Spirit is doing with us. Okay. I mean, Jesus is saying right now, everyone I into who has harmed you? Who has wounded you? Who has defrauded you? He's saying, lay it at my charge. So, Lord, what is what is it? Yeah, okay, Lord, I'll forgive the debt. That's the point. I'll forgive the debt. Oh, if this could happen on such a deep level, the healing that would spread through this body. On the other side, in terms of righteous acts, that there is a tally being kept in heaven, that there is a record. It says, and the books were opened. And, uh, and so judgment is, there's a perfect set of books being kept. And so that's why you want to divest yourself of your own little version Right, you, you you want to be judged by the just judge of all. You don't want to try to be the just judge of all, and you don't want to create a fiefdom. You don't want to create another competing system, another set of books. You, we're, we're saying, God, you are the just judge of all. And the Lord is looking. You say, I know your faith. I know your labor. I know when you gave sacrificially. On the other hand, I know when you calculated. I know when you were. Uh, disingenuous, and I know when. So, believe me, nobody is being fooled here. Uh, and, and we are entering, the kingdom of God is a system of ultimate clarity where everything that is real is known and everything false is done away with. And that's what we're saying, God, that's what I want. That's what I want. It's powerful. What if suddenly the kingdom of God was resting on all these things? in our lives instead of, well, I did this. Do you you have some? When we take on the position that we're going to pay that debt, it's impossible to pay. It's like what Ben is saying. His brother already apologized, but if he had been of this mind, he would have been brought into servitude because there's never enough. You, You can't actually pay that wound off. And so many wounds, all the open wounds around the world, the things that all, you know, different people groups and everything are dealing with is when you decide that, okay, we will pay this. When Canada as a nation decides we're going to pay this, we will bankrupt and destroy the whole nation and still not have satisfied that wound. 
and 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 it's it's that wisdom that this is the way we should approach it emerges from the church that has taken on this role it's of false savior so there's there's some powerful you know sort of uh, massive things here archetypal kind of principles that are at work in our nation and i believe if we could get free of those here that the domino effect of that the the true wisdom of the kingdom of heaven will start to become apparent in, in social circles, government circles. And so, Lord, we say, let it come. Let your kingdom come in Canada as it is in heaven. This kingdom, Lord, that heals, really heals, really delivers, really sets free. Okay, let me just say this one other thing. Uh, one of the most difficult things for young people is dating and getting married. And, and the fear and the, the sense of owing and the sense of all of those things that come when you start to extend your soul to somebody. I have seen more people shut down emotionally because of disappointment in this area. And the best wisdom I can give, I had a friend who, who her first boyfriend years ago, and he, he was actually, he was not a good choice. He was not a good man. He was insecure. I mean, you know, everything. But she loved him. Anyway, he broke it off. She was devastated, and I remember saying to her, there's somebody better. Like You need to release whatever cords are attached to that relationship. Release it, release it, because there is somebody better. There is somebody better. There is somebody better. Because if you anchor your life to that, that thing right there, you will, you will be like the guy who buried his talent. You know, you, you, you shut down. It's the same as the creative shutdown. So that fear, that anxiety will multiply in your life and immobilize you emotionally so that you'll look for somebody who will never do that to you again and nobody will never do that to you again. Freedom is the other way. Freedom is release. Bless him. Pray. God, I believe. I believe you have a mate for me. I believe you have a husband. You have a wife. I believe you have a better job. I believe you have a better employee for my company from that one who left. I believe you had a better contract. I believe, God, that that you have uh, uh, better everything. Think about your life. I want you to begin to speak that out right now. God, you have better. Better opportunities, better options, uh, more supply, and we are not going to be tied, Lord, to living this life of picking up the crumbs on the ground when there is supply coming from heaven. We're not going to fight over the crumbs on the ground. Your kingdom come. Amen. I am going to come, sorry. It started with Curtis. When he came up and he started that confession, I suddenly saw his stomach open, and it was like a treasure chest, and suddenly gold, jewels, all these things started to spill out, and the image immediately switched to the golden goose, that lays, or the goose that lays the golden eggs. And I realized, oh my goodness, if we get this, we go from camping over that one golden egg that's going to make my whole life and whatnot, and we become that one that lays golden eggs. And it's a steady supply. This is who you can be if you will grab this and you will own this. Release all of the, the debt that's accumulated. Do this thing and you will start to release this stuff. Opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. More and more. And even if you miss it, there's a thousand more coming. So as you're looking upstream, stuff's coming by you so fast. That, oh, I missed that one. But there's more coming. Grab on. That, that'll preach. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah.